0: You're listening to the West Side Podcast, a part of the L.A. International Church of Christ family of churches, worshiping God in L.A. since 1989. Great job. You guys hear me all right? Really want to hold up the I.M. Ministries for uh, the worship. Thank you guys so much for what you guys do. Really appreciate it. Thanks for being here. And uh, Desi, really appreciate her sharing uh, about God restoring her, which is so fitting. Uh, we've been doing a series on the the uh, parables of Jesus uh, over the last couple months, and today we're going to do the uh, parable of the lost son, and really the parable of being lost, and it's very appropriate. Uh, but you know, it's the holiday season; it's the time of gratitude. I want to begin with a word of prayer, or a word of gratitude to set our heart? Amen. Let's go to God in prayer. Father in Heaven, thank you so much for how you are working in our lives. Thank you deeply, God, for the West Side Church. Father, thank you for uh, new souls who are brought out, for Kendall's new life in Christ. Father, thank you for uh, the talent you give us that we can use for your glory. Father, thank you for restoring us from places of darkness and bringing us to a place of hope. And Father, thank you for our families, our friends. Father, thank you for our children. Thank you for our parents. Thank you for our brothers and sisters. Father, we, uh, in our heart of hearts, we know that life and all goodness resides with you. Uh, help us today to open our minds and hearts to see that. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So, uh, I believe, do we have the opening slide up there? Let's get the opening slide of my sermon up there. I want to show you guys this. The Lost Son, this painting is a Rembrandt painting. It's one of his last paintings called The Return of the Prodigal Son. Of course, you have the father, uh, hugging the son who, you know, he's, he's a bald son back in that day that would not be a cool look. And that would demonstrate a sense of lostness and he's come back. And on the right, uh, you see the, um, the older son, uh, in the parable who's sort of standing there with crossed hands, sort of maybe scowling. Some other, uh, people we're not sure who quite are, but it's a very famous painting, uh, coming from a very famous chapter in the Bible. Uh, A classic chapter that I think is a consummate chapter uh, demonstrating the heart of God. About coming back from being lost. And I have been lost a few times. Nowadays with GPS we don't get lost as easy. Uh, But if it goes out, of course you get lost. Or if you can't get reception, it gets lost. And if you you don't have the address to where you're going, essentially these days you're lost. You're like, well I know where I am, but I don't know where I'm going because you can't type it in. But I got lost once when I was eight years old. And that's a strange feeling. I was at a, uh, an air show like this with that many people, like thousands of people. My dad was an Air Force um, uh, navigator, flew on planes similar to that. And then there was a big air show oftentimes at the air base with the Blue Angels. And so we were out there having a ball. I was eight years old having fun seeing the airplanes. But the next thing I knew, I didn't see my dad. I didn't see my brother. I didn't see my mom. And so even though I knew I was at an air show and I knew what base it was at, I was lost because I didn't know where my family was at and they were my sense of security right they were when, when I didn't see them I'm eight at this point I'm not going to wander around by myself at eight and all these people I don't know what I'm doing it was uh, actually even bigger than that so I was scared I didn't know what to do there's this feeling of of oh my goodness my security's been ripped out where are my family members and there was all these strange people around. So what did I do? I went to the first person with the uniform. There were a lot of them. It was an air base, so there were a lot of them. And I said, I'm lost. And they brought me over to the loudspeaker and they announced my name. And shortly after, my dad, who was a, an officer you know, at the base that day, he came and he, you know, he found me. And so I felt secure. I felt good. You know, we feel lost when we lose our sense of security. We feel lost when an emptiness comes over us or... We feel some depression. We can all feel this. Have you ever felt purposeless? Have you ever felt like you do not know why you're unhappy? Have you ever felt like the things that bring you security no longer bring you security? Or have they, in fact, been ripped out from underneath you? Have you lost a relationship? Have you lost a family member, maybe to death? You lost a job, lost a position, or lost a role that gave you meaning, We can all feel lost in many ways. Even as members of a church attending to church, you can feel lost. You can lose your conviction. You can lose your first love. You can lose your faith that God will actually work in your life. Sure, He works in other people's lives, but we lose faith that He'll work in our lives. We can lose our very beliefs and yet, Westside Church, I want to challenge us not to lose our dream to change the world from the West Side. The West Side of Los Angeles is a special place, and we can change the world as Jesus transforms us. We can change our communities and change the world from the West Side, and we don't want to lose that faith and that conviction. But I want to talk about Luke 15. Please turn to me, with me to Luke 15 in your Bible, or scroll on down, or if you have our app, you can just click on it. I'm, I think the scripture's right in there. They're in the notes section of our, of our handy app. It's right in there. James uploads that every week. So please, if you don't have the app, get it. It's a great way to follow along with the sermon as well. But, we read in Luke chapter 15 verse 1, where it says, Now all the tax collectors and sinners were coming near to listen to him. And the Pharisees and the scribes were grumbling and saying, This fellow welcomes sinners and eats with them. So he told them this parable. Now, he goes on and actually tells them three parables. And the three parables are designed to reveal a number of deep insights. But fundamentally, you can see right from the beginning... It says, the Pharisees and the scribes, these are, who was the they were the Pharisees? They're really the preachers, the teachers, the, the Bible scholars, the scribes were the teachers of the law. They knew their Bible. Let me tell you who the Pharisees and scribes were. The people at church every Sunday. That's who they were. But the tax collectors and sinners, it says, they were coming near to listen to him. Jesus is attractive to our culture. People have questions. Jesus has answers. And people are drawn to that. In our day and age, people are very much drawn to the deeper meaning of where do we get our security. And all of us today, we get our security from something. And that's what I want you to be thinking about. Where do you get your security from? What produces a sense of peace inside of you? I know when I've gone on long trips, my peace... Uh, certainly is my relationship with God, but let me tell you what I long for. I long for coming back. I've been to the Middle East on some of our mission trips there. Went for ten days a couple of times, and I didn't like being there without my wife. I went, uh, I went two times without my wife. I did not like it. And for me, coming, you know, I long to be back and see my wife and spend time with my, she's my best friend. It's her birthday on Friday. Uh, I love the woman. She's just such an incredible spiritual woman. And she in many ways produces that emotional security in me. I don't like being away from it. Today I want you guys to think about where do you get your ultimate security? I know for me, for sure, as any person on the earth, it's Carrie. But even a relationship can be taken. And we got to be mindful of what lasts. I want to have an incredible relationship with my wife. But I know, ultimately, ultimately, I cannot 100% trust an accident could happen. Something could take that from me. And the foundation of my life, if it's simply my relationship with her, it can be taken. God intends to give us something richer and more meaningful than that. He wants us to draw near to him and listen to him. Yet, as churchgoers, we are oftentimes like the Pharisees and scribes. And so these three parables that are told in Luke 15 are really kind of aimed at, they're really aimed at us. We might think the parable of the lost son is simply aimed at at maybe all of us when we were way out in left field in the way we lived, And we'll talk a little bit about that. But the truth is, these parables are really kind of aimed at reforming our thinking about even what it means to be a Christian, to be faithful to God. We can all be lost sons and daughters. And I would hope that today we can uh, return a little bit, return deeply to God and really what he has in mind for us. You know, um, he talks these three parables. I'm going to read all of them. But the first is the parable of the lost sheep. Then he talks about the lost coin and and he ends up by saying he's trying to convince these people who are sort of critical of all of Jesus hanging out with the with the people who are maybe maybe they're uh, criminals, maybe they're uh, gang members, uh, maybe they're extremely greedy people, maybe they're drug dealers. I'm trying to think what would relate in our generation to a tax collector. Tax collectors were, they were considered enemies of the Jewish culture. In our day and age, pretty much drug dealers, none of us think that's a really good career, right? We wouldn't be like, yeah, good good career. But you make a lot of money. Let's just be honest. You would make a lot of money fast. And that's going on. There are people, you know, I confess to you, when I was in college, I sold some drugs when I was a non-Christian. I mean, I made money fast in college. Not a good, not a good career, right? Go to jail for that. But Jesus didn't just lift his nose up and go, oh, I'm not going to try to help them. And, and and so what he's talking about here was shocking. He was shocking people. And I hope today to, to kind of reorient your thinking. Parables are intended to reorient your thinking a little bit. And um, at the end of the parable of the lost sheep and lost coin, what he says is there will be more rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who repents than over the 99 that didn't need to repent. The implication being God is going after us. God wants to find us. God is interested in pulling us in. God is seeking us. God is yearning to get a connection with us. I love our mantra as a West Side Church. I think, I'm not sure if Ken came up with it or Paul Nakakura, but connect, transform, and inspire. That's a good mantra that we have, right? That's our three, three part mantra as a church. God's wanting to connect. We know it. Desi talked about it. It's right. It's, it's the right thing to connect with God deeply. That's where you're going to get your ultimate security. This morning, where do you really get your security from? Where do you really get it? Let's go ahead and read the parable of the lost son. Luke chapter 15. If you could turn in your, in your uh, Bible or, or, or scroll on down. I only have the first three verses up on the screen for you. All right, Or maybe I don't. I think I might have even removed those. So, yeah, let's go ahead and read it together. I have it here in front of me. I'm going to read it says there was a man who had two sons verse 11 Luke 15 verse 11 this is where i'm reading from the younger one said to his father father give me my share of the estate so he divided his property between them not long after that the younger son got together all he had set off for a distant country and there squandered his wealth in wild living after he had spent everything there was a severe famine And is found. So they began to celebrate. Meanwhile, the older son was in the field. When he came near the house, he heard music and dancing. So dancing is allowed in church. So he called one of his servants and asked him what was going on. Your brother has come, he replied. And your father has killed the fattened calf because he has him back safe and sound. The older brother became angry and refused to go in. So his father went out and pleaded with him. But he answered his father, Look, all these years I've been slaving for you and never disobeyed your orders. Yet you never gave me even a young goat so I could celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours, who has squandered your property with prostitutes, comes home, you kill the fattened calf for him? My son, the father said, You are always with me. And everything I have is yours. But we had to celebrate and be glad, because this brother of yours was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. You've got two sons. Which one is lost? Actually, both, right? And then in the picture, we can see that one comes back. And I put before you the lost son is the one standing on the right. And that's the one, you know, Ken's going to get into this a little bit more as we do a a two-part series here on this. But I'm going to hit a little bit about that. And I want us to be thinking, you know, we can all be the lost son. And I know for many of us, we could share our our testimony. We could share our story. Desi shared hers. I know for sure I I was a lost and destitute son, distant from God, far from God depressed i was seeking financial security when i was in my young 20s by working here in century city as an investment advisor for a major company and i thought the answer to life is i gotta have a lot of money if i have a lot of money i can go where i want live where i want do what i want and i will feel secure i'm older now i'm a minister i don't have a lot of money but let me tell you i still struggle with the temptation of feeling like security comes from money but it doesn't. The one thing that opened my heart to, to really want to find God was all these millionaires. And this is in like this is like the 90, late 80s, 90s. So millionaires were like richer than millionaires today. Right. Millionaire today is not such a big deal. Every house is worth a million. But I'm telling you, uh, I had these guys at my company who owned a lot of a lot of real estate, a lot of money were millionaires. And I, I'll never forget how they envied me. They envied me because I was young and wild and doing crazy stuff. So they're, they're envying me and I'm envying them. And then it occurred to me, okay, we none of us know where to get our security from. And that humbled me. Along with all the piles of sin I was committing, squandering my life in wild living. Yes, I can relate to this in a powerful way. You know, God's concerned about the lost. And I want to put one point before you today, uh, what I want you to be thinking about in terms of what not to do, and that's don't get lost. Don't get lost, right? In the parables that we read, he talks about, you know, the sheep, the coin, and the two sons, and how they get lost. Uh, and, and I think we have to be a little bit mindful of how that happens, and be on guard, realizing that all of us are susceptible to getting lost, No matter if you think, hey, I'm where I need to be. I'm totally plugged in. My security's coming from the right place. You can get lost sometimes without even knowing it. Four ways we get lost. We can wander like the sheep wandered away. And oftentimes that is a way that people get lost. They wander because they're young. They're inexperienced. They're immature. And they simply don't know that this world will devour you. Or they're naive to it. They just, they don't recognize. The world is not designed to build your faith in God. It's designed, the advertising world is designed to appeal to your desires and get you connected to the wrong things for security. And we can wander away real easily. You know, another thing that, how did the coin get lost? How do you lose coins? Well, you, you were careless. You didn't pay attention, right? There's some negligence there. Uh, we can be careless and irresponsible at times. And lose what is valuable in our life. And if you're not careful, if you if you ne- if you neglect what's important, uh, you can lose it. You know, you can lose your faith if you don't if you don't take care of your faith. If you're not eager to invest in it, get people in your life on a consistent basis. Uh, spend time talking about where your faith. We do this little discussion uh, during the communion because we want you to engage with people. You need other input in your life. You need connection. You need to engage. You, you really can't be a solo disciple of Jesus all on your own. You need connection. And you've got to fight for connection. You know, as a ministry, we believe in everyone having some discipling and connection in their life. But I want to put before the congregation that it's on us to want that connection. To go after it. To say, I want input in my life. I want input on the decisions I, I make. I want to be connected so that I don't... Neglect what's important. You know, same thing goes with our marriages. Married's out there. We just got done our marriage retreat. Uh, it's really easy to drift away in your marriage if you don't fight for it. If you don't put time and energy into it. If you're not engaging it in a great way, it, it's going to drift. I know the marriage retreat was awesome. Uh, but one marriage retreat a year will not do it. There won't be enough to keep your relationship vibrant and awesome. I, I'm, you know, really grateful. got to go out to, uh, to dinner with a couple friends. And what I loved during the dinner was it was my wife's birthday, and uh, they shared about my wife. And what I liked about that is, you know, the Bible does say, husbands, that w- when your wife is radiant, you know, that's that's you're doing something right, right? You're to present her radiant, like God presents the church. So, husbands, your wife needs to be radiant. So I was like, this is awesome, because... Maybe I was self-consumed. I'm thinking, I guess my wife's going to be beaming, and I'm going to be looking good about it. You know, it's like, I'm going I'm to look good. And she was. They were so encouraging. Uh, we, the Thorns and Shumps were sharing really nice things about uh, Carrie. I just appreciated them so much. And then the next morning, I really appreciated the party that uh, the Meckinson's threw for Carrie's birthday. And it's just an intimate thing with our family. They all shared about her. And when they share, you know, it, it just brightens you up a little bit. I felt good about that. I mean, I, I, I was like, this is good. My wife's encouraged and, and, and that, that made her love me a little more, I guarantee you, when your wife is happy. So husband, present your wives radiant, figure out ways to do it. And I really even can't take credit for it. She pretty much set up all those appointments and I just sat there and thought, I'm, I'm a good husband because my wife's getting encouraged. So I got, I got a lot of room to grow. I got a lot of room to grow. But we don't want to neglect what's important to us. You've got to work on these relationships, your faith, your marriage, your children, your brotherhood, your sisterhood. You've got to work on stuff. You, if you neglect it, you'll lose it. You know, the lost son in the parable, he was just willfully rebellious, right? He's like, I want my share of the state. And he's like, he, where is his security coming from? Adventure? Wealth? Uh, the, the, the first lost son, he's like, he wants to go off and see the world and adventure and see things. And I know when we're young, we love adventure. I like adventure, right? I like to go off and see things. But adventure cannot be your ultimate security blanket. You know, the last son... He was with the Father the whole time, but he lost something, right? He lost his first love. He became judgmental. He lost sight of really where security should come from. In our world today, I really want to urge us to, to be mindful of how easy it is for us to get lost from the things that are really important, especially from God. There's a band that I really like, uh, Lincoln Park. Many of you have heard of them. They've been great for like the last 20 years. Um... Their lead singer, Chester uh, Bennington, he, he died two years ago. And it was heartbreaking. Um, one of their last songs they recorded was a song called One More Light. And it was written about a, a friend who had died. And then they performed it on Jimmy Kimmel uh, about another famous musician who had died. And then two months later, Chester Bennington took his own life. Um, heartbreaking. I want to read you some of the verses. One more light, he says, I should have stayed. Were there signs I ignored? Can I help you not to hurt anymore? We saw brilliance when the world was asleep. There are things that we can have but can't keep. If they say, who cares if one more light goes out? If the sky of a million, in the sky of a million stars, it flickers. It flickers. Who cares when when someone's time runs out? If a moment is all we are. Or quicker, quicker. Who cares if one more light goes out? Well, I do. Are the lyrics of that song. And he himself sang those lyrics. Really as an ode to people he loved that had gone. Saying, what does it matter if one more light goes out? Well, it matters. I care. And our Father cares. He's going after us. He doesn't want us to drift. And I don't want to urge us, don't drift. Don't be negligent. It's the holiday season. Sadly, during this time, a lot of people drift. They go on vacation from the things that really count instead of drawing closer to the things that will change their life. And I want to give you one more thing to do with this parable. To return to the Father. I want us to return to the Father today. All of us, no matter where we're at, need to be willing to return. You know, there's two types of being lost. Not just squandering your life, sinning it up, wrecking yourself. And here's the thing. We can sin a lot even as Christians, even as disciples. In fact, we do a lot. And the biggest thing for me that makes me feel lost is I get a guilty conscience. And then I seek my security in what I do. And, and as men, we, we're production oriented, right? We want to get stuff done, produce, make sales, build stuff, get stuff done. When we get stuff done, we feel secure. But you know what? We never feel like we get enough done. There's always something more to do, some more. You know, if you're a, if you're a minister, I, I could share my faith every day with 10 people. How about 20? How about 50? How about 100? What's enough? There's never enough. If your security comes from what you do, you will feel insecure. Your security has got to come from who you are and who you're with. And that needs to be with God. Amen? And so the lost son, it's really both of them. Today you've got to figure out where are you. I think today most of us are the older brother, which we'll talk a little bit more about that next week. But if you, maybe in here, some of us are very, very good with our boundaries and our rules. And we don't like it when someone takes advantage of the church. How dare they take advantage of the church? How dare they pull the wool over the eyes of the people? And sometimes we're cynics, we're skeptics, and we're critics. And we pride ourselves on that. This parable really is a parable told to sort of reorient your thinking. It's a parable to us if we if we think, you know, we're the ones that think the wool is being pulled over the eyes of the church. They don't see what's really going on. Well, God does see what's going on, and he wants all men to return to him. We don't want to be grumblers, amen? We've got to come to our senses. We've got to come to our senses, and I think what's really interesting, this is a passage used in our chemical recovery groups a lot. How do you come to your senses? How do you really get to a place where you you see God the way he wants you to see him? If you notice in the passage that we read, it says that he had spent everything he had. And then there was a severe famine in the land. And he began to be in need. And then people just gave him some extra things. It doesn't say that. It says no one gave him Anything. In fact, all he could think of doing was hiring himself out to this foreign land, where they sent him into the field to feed pigs. I mean, the lowest, the lowest, the lowest jobs you could ever get. And it says, and he longed to fill his stomach with the food that the pigs were eating, and no one gave him anything. And then he came to his senses. And we live in a world of great turmoil and difficulty, and I don't have all the answers, but I know we live in a world of tension. Between how to make choices between the boundaries. Um, I've had drug addicts in my family. And my my wife's family's had drug addicts in our family. And it's really hard to handle those situations. You want to give. You want to serve. I saw a woman yesterday outside the pizza shop. I, I, was like, got my, I didn't have any money. I was like, son, can you give me five bucks? And I went and gave it to the... the I just felt like I want to do something. Although I've read that 95% of homeless people in L.A. are usually on drugs. And I, I don't want to be the judge. I'm not sure of the best thing. I think we have to live in this tension, this difficulty of, of, of being compassionate and loving combined with being willing to stru- stand our ground and not cross boundaries. This guy came to his senses because no one gave him anything. And you notice in the repentance, and this is a great lesson on how, to, how do you teach somebody to change their life? To really change. Real repentance. Well, he once he came to his senses and he wanted to be near God, what did he say? He says, I... How many of my father's hired men have food to spare? And here I am. What am I thinking? I'm going back to him. And I'll tell him, I'm not worthy to be your son. And he gets up and he goes. And then what does the father do? The father sees him before he's even followed through. Before he's followed through with with what repentance looks like. Before he's fully done it, fully, fully entered back in. The father gets up and runs to him and wraps his arms around him. And here's the thing I want to put before you. What I love about this passage is it says, as soon as he... The Father's hugging him. He could have been like, Yeah, this is great. Man, I made it. Oh, thanks, Dad. I missed you too. And get my room back. But what he does is he follows through. Right? He follows through. He says, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I'm not worthy to be your son. Oftentimes, when we start getting that olive leaf passed out to us, we then stop short of following through with what real change looks like. This guy had the courage to show real change in his repentance. You know, an interesting insight here, as we close out, is that the text says, He was dead and is alive again. My son was lost. He was dead and alive again. You know, there's sort of a foreshadowing of the whole Gospel of Luke. And guess who the lost son is in Luke? Ultimately, it's Jesus himself. Not that he did things wrong, but he took our sin on his life. And so the foreshadow, he was dead and is alive again. In miracle, in pure grace, in gift, Jesus gives us this hope. And there's a foreshadowing as this son, it says he was dead and is alive again. We got to return to the father. Wherever you are in your heart, I want to challenge you to be willing to return. You're never too far gone. Desi even shared, I felt like I was too far gone. You're never too far gone. You're never too far gone. The grace is infinite. The message of the cross is infinite. And since it's an infinite message of love, there's a reservoir of love that will never go away. You know, this past week, I had a chance to uh, do something. And I wanted to have the heart of a person returning to God. I wanted to have the heart of somebody that uh, that wasn't judgmental, but just opened my heart to what God could teach me. And today I want you to ask yourself, do you do you accept or do you reject things that are awkward, weird, or uncomfortable to you? Do you accept or reject? Do you have the eyes of the older son who's who's rejecting? Or do you have the heart of the father who's accepting? You know, this week we went down to Mexico. A number of us went down there. Uh, this is last Saturday, and we visited the migrant shelters, and these are somewhat of a political thing. A lot of people are like, well, you know, we don't want to let them over the border. So we went to visit this migrant shelter, and what these are are shelters down in, in a two-hour drive from here, where, um, you guys know Martin, he runs our Hope Project down there, and they, they give food to the homeless, but then they're also meeting the needs of people who are coming, coming from all over Mexico and Latin America, and trying to get into, like Zahid said, the greatest country in America, where they feel like there's opportunity and hope. They're trying Trying to get across the border, and at the border of Mexico and America is the greatest dichotomy of wealth from one country to the, to the next in almost any place in the world, and a lot of these people come because in their own towns, they're fearing for their life. Here's one of the shelters, and you can see there's, there's they're living, some of you are living there for months in tents, packed right next to it, there's like 50 tents packed in, and uh, the one lady you can see in there in the foreground, uh, we started a conversation, and she had shared that she had to leave her home in El Salvador because of um, organized crime was extorting her and her husband with their business and they couldn't support themselves. And her family members had been murdered. A couple of her cousins had been murdered and they feared for their life. So she she, she fled through Mexico, tried to get through the border, get stopped. And now has had to live for months and months there because they're probably not going to give her asylum. They're probably not going to let her in. And I'm trying to see what is God doing? How is God working? Where do I see God? Where's my, where's my heart? Do I have the heart of the Father? Do I have the heart of the Son? Where's my heart? And then the thing that really struck me was the kids. When we walked in, the kids were giving us high fives. They had a bright look. So you're there living in tents, but you know what? They were happy. They had responded in gratitude to the situation that they were in. And we walked in, they kind of boosted us up a little bit. Then we saw that they were making little paper mache toys. So here they are. They don't really have anything, but they're happy. They're making paper mache toys. Uh, these are like little pinatas they're going to use at Christmas time. They're living in this little shelter, making little pinatas. A number of you donated food. We gave, we gave them a whole bunch of food. We gathered up, you know, like 600 bucks and just bought them a whole bunch of food and stopped and just left it right there in the kitchen for them all. We asked them what they needed. But what moved me the most was the, the kids. The kids had a heart of gratitude, not a heart of depression and being down and why is God not working? How come God's not coming into my life the way I want? They weren't thinking that. There was a gratitude that overwhelmed them. There was a gratitude for what they could be and what they could do. And church, I think all of us today, I want to urge us to return to the Father. To return to the Father. Don't get lost. Be careful of that return to the Father. Whatever that means for you, maybe it's you need to get your gratitude on. It's the holiday season. It's time to be grateful. And I know that this past Friday we threw a bunch of parties. If you notice in the parable, there were a lot of parties going on. It says when they find a lost soul, they throw a party in heaven. You know, the, the father in the parable, the son, he said, I'm going to throw a party. We get to throw parties. God wants our lives to be awesome, to not feel guilt ridden and down, but the cross says we have everything we need for life and godliness, and how many of us went to a, a Thanksgiving party this week? Raise your hand. Okay, I want to urge you to keep going to them. In Christ, when you're with the Father, He likes to have party. Apparently, the scripture says He doesn't mind there being dancing, and so being close to God, when, you're, when your identity comes from your relationship with God, you have a resource, you have a gratitude, and you can throw a party, and West Side Church... I want us to believe that as we are transformed in gratitude, we will influence our coworkers, We will influence our neighbors. We will impact our school campuses. We will impact the million people on the west side who then can influence the rest of the southwest United States, who then can influence the rest of the United States, who can then influence the world. We can change the world from the west side. I love you guys. Don't get lost. And let's return to the Father. Amen. You've just listened to the West Side Podcast. For more information about our ministry, please visit thewestsidechurch.com or laicc.net.